Yes, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This this is your host, Jared Dawkins. Here, I hope all of you out there in the world are taking good care of yourselves and being safe during this pandemic. And I hope all of you out there are making good, smart, careful decisions. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, one of the major stories in sports that is taking place, and it's kind of taking place all over the college football landscape. And obviously, as we all know, college football realignment is taking place with, and it started going all the way back to last year when Texas and Oklahoma decided to join the SEC in a couple of years. And then this year, with UCLA and USC set to join the Big Ten in a couple of years. And one of the big-time college football programs that a lot of people are just waiting, I guess you can say, with bated breath to make a decision as far as where they should go is the University of Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, as we all know for the longest time, if you are a college football fan like me, you remember Notre Dame being independent for a long, long period of time. In my lifetime, I don't ever remember, me personally, I don't ever remember Notre Dame joining joining a conference. So if Notre Dame were to make a decision on joining a conference, this will be the first time ever that I've witnessed them doing that. But with that being said, me personally, I'm so young as far as remembering Notre Dame that I remember the days of Bob Davey, Jarius Jackson, all the way up to Tyrone Willingham and Charlie Weiss, and now Brian Kelly, and and now their new head coach, Marcus Freeman. That's how young I am as far as remembering the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But with Notre Dame now, a lot of people are wondering, well, where is Notre Dame going to go? Are they going to join the Big Ten? Are they going to go to the Pac-12, possibly? Could they join the the Big 12? Uh, The SEC has already said that 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 they're not taking any more teams with the addition of Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. So take the SEC out of this equation. But this is what Notre Dame uh this is what Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick said on Notre Dame making a decision as far as joining a big time conference. This is what he said. Quote, we don't feel any particular urgency urgency We think there's ample time for us to let the landscape settle. And I completely agree with Jack on that. This decision for Notre Dame is a huge one. I mean, this is a huge, huge decision for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Absolutely huge. Them joining a conference, whether it be the Big Ten, whether it be the ACC, whether it even be the Big 12 or whatever the case may be, This will set Notre Dame up big time for the remainder of this university's existence. Now, this is just me. This is just my opinion. For uh, for me, as far as Notre Dame goes, if Notre Dame were to join a conference, I don't think Notre Dame should join the Big Ten. And I'm going to get into a little bit why I think why I think Notre Dame shouldn't join the Big Ten. If Notre Dame's going to join a conference, to me, it makes more it makes so much sense for Notre Dame to permanently join the ACC. Why do I say that? I say it makes 
perfect sense for Notre Dame to join the ACC because of the simple fact of the one year that Notre Dame spent in the ACC, which was Trevor Lawrence's last year in college, 2020. Notre Dame and that one-year trial run in the ACC did what? They went to the ACC championship game and played Clemson. They got smashed, but they played them in that but they played them in the ACC title game. And not only that, the other thing that people need to factor into with the ACC is that Notre Dame's college Notre Dame's college basketball team is in the ACC as well. So that's another thing that people need to think about and pay attention to when it comes to Notre Dame joining the ACC. And then to add the football aspect of it uh, to this entire situation. If Notre Dame were to join the ACC, there are only three teams in the ACC that Notre Dame would have to really go through just to get to the ACC championship game. The Clemson Tigers with Dabo Sweeney. The North Carolina Tar Heels with Mac Brown because you know North Carolina is going to be really competitive and they're going to be good as long as Mac Brown is there. And then you have the University of Miami with Mario Cristobal because you know Mario Cristobal is going to start to get Miami back up and going again to being Miami. So those are the only, so realistically, those are the only three teams in the ACC that I can honestly sit here and say. If Notre Dame were to join the ACC, they would only have to go through Clemson with Dabo, the Tar Heels with Mac Brown, and the Hurricanes with Mario Cristobal. That's it, just three teams. Just three teams. Now let's go over to the Big Ten. The Big Ten is a hell of a lot bigger monster than the ACC. If Notre Dame were to join the Big Ten, this is what Notre Dame would have to go through in the Big Ten just to get to the Big Ten championship game alone or get through their own division in the Big Ten. They would have to go through Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, pesky and feisty sometimes Northwestern, Minnesota, and then within the next couple of years, UCLA and USC. That's around nine teams, nine teams right there that I just mentioned that Notre Dame would have to go through, not only just to get through their own division at times, but, but just to get to the Big Ten championship game alone. That's nine teams. Nine as compared to the three that Notre Dame would have to get through in the ACC just to get to the ACC title game. And not only that, here's the other thing that people need to think about. If Notre Dame joins the Big Ten and they have to go through all of those teams just to get to the Big Ten title game alone, there's no guarantee that if Notre Dame gets to the Big Ten title game and they win it, there's no guarantee that they'll even get to the, uh, get to the college football playoff in general. There's there's no there's no guarantee because the SEC more times than not puts two teams into the college football playoff. You might have the Big 12 champion get in, and then you have the ACC champion get in. So there's no guarantee that even if they win the Big 10, that they'll get into the college football playoff anyway. So Notre Dame's best bet, and I don't know if anybody out there has ever heard the saying, Work smarter, not harder. I'm pretty sure all of you out there have heard this saying before. Work smarter, not harder. Well, if I'm Notre Dame, think smarter, not harder. Do you want to go through a, a three-team conference in the ACC that has just Notre Dame, Clemson, and Miami, where all you have to do is possibly go through three of those four 
big-time programs just to get to the ACC title game. Then once you win the ACC title game, you get to the you, you get to the ACC championship game, you win it, and you're into the college football playoff. Boom, no problem. Oh, but then when you go to the Big 12, oh, or excuse me, you go to the Big 10, what happens? You got to go through nine other teams just to get to the conference championship game. And your schedule is so brutal that even if you get to the Big Ten Championship game and you win it, there's no guarantee that you get there. So, in my opinion, and this is just me, if I am the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, think smarter, not harder, Notre Dame. It's either for me, if I'm the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the move that makes the most sense for me is either the ACC or I'm staying independent. It's either one of those two. Do you really want to go through a conference in the Big Ten that is as that is as physical and as tough and as rugged as the Big Ten is? Or do you want to go through a conference in the ACC that really only has three or four three or four really, really good two elite teams in it and make your chance of getting to the college football playoff a hell of a lot easier? Whereas though in the Big Ten, you'd have to go through eight, nine, ten teams just to get to your conference championship game alone. Just throwing that out there. If I'm Notre Dame, I either go to the ACC or stay independent. That's just me. I know the big TV money is in the Big Ten. I know the big primetime games are in the Big Ten with Wisconsin, with Iowa, with Michigan, with Michigan State, with USC, with UCLA, with Ohio State. I get that. And this is not me saying that Notre Dame needs to duck from a challenge because the Big Ten is a hell of a challenge. But I am simply saying for Notre Dame, your chances of getting to the college football playoff, your chances of winning a national championship will be a hell of a lot easier if you get if you go to the ACC instead of going to the Big Ten. And like I said before, your, your college basketball team is already in the – your college football team – excuse me, your college basketball team – is already in the ACC as it is. The one-year trial run that you had in the ACC, you got to the ACC championship game. So it just makes sense for Notre Dame to choose to go to the ACC. It makes perfect sense to me. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just simply saying, Notre Dame, think smarter, not harder. Just throwing that out there. Um, next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook. In my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, honestly, and this is just me, Russell Westbrook is at a crossroads in his NBA career. Russell Westbrook is getting up there in age, he's getting older, and his skills physically are starting to deteriorate more and more. And Russell Westbrook has been on four teams in four years. So when you've been on four teams in four years, when your skills start to deteriorate physically and when you lack the self-awareness that Russell Westbrook lacks a lot of the times in, in tight in-game situations on the court, you start to get to a point in your career where there are a lot of teams in the league that really probably don't want you on their roster because you're a liability offensively and you maybe even be a liability defensively. I found I found Russell Westbrook's career numbers, and I just want to throw these numbers out there to you guys. Over 
Russell Westbrook's last four years, his three-point shooting percentage is nowhere near even 35%. Last four years, 29%, 25 percent 31%, 31%, and 29%. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, for me, also, his free throw shooting percentage. Last four years, uh, Russell Westbrook has shot 65%. 76%, 65%, and 66%. I'm reading those numbers to you guys because over the last four years, Russell Westbrook has gone downhill. And the fact that he's gone downhill as much as he's gone downhill, you really haven't paid, or, or you really haven't seen it until now when he's in Los Angeles and he's playing with LeBron James. And now there's a story out that according to a report that Russell Westbrook would push back when called out during Lakers film sessions last season. This is according to Jovan Baja, who relayed this information on the Athletic NBA show. This is what Jovan said. Quote, from stuff I heard last season, like during film sessions, he would, you know, push back on stuff that was very obvious, like, hey, you missed this defensive rotation. He did not like being the center of attention in those film sessions. So, as far as as far as Russell Westbrook's numbers and his skills deteriorating, and him having a huge lack of self awareness as far as end game situations, now with him and his agent parting ways, now with this story coming out about him not liking being called out during film sessions, and and him not taking criticism as far as him missing him missing defensive assignments. It has come to the conclusion with Russell Westbrook that he needs to look in the mirror. And this is just my opinion over the last three or four years of Russell Westbrook's career. For me, Russell Westbrook's career is kind of reminding me of, of how Carmelo Anthony's career is ending. Why do I say that? Because over the last couple of years of Carmelo's career, he's kind of gone from team to team to team. But during that period, Melo had to realize and he had to understand that I'm not that guy anymore. And once Melo realized that he wasn't that guy anymore, he started to embrace his role of, you know what? I'm not that guy that I used to be in New York. I'm not that guy that I used to be in Denver. It's time for me to take a backseat. It's time for me to realize that maybe I need to come off the bench. Once Melo understood that, now you're starting to see Melo have a much better ending to, in, to his career that people envisioned. With Russell Westbrook, it's the complete freaking opposite. Russell Westbrook's numbers over the last four years, as far as three-point shooting, as far as his free throw percentage, his lack of in-game awareness, and then on top of that, like I mentioned before, his agent and him breaking up and things like that, and, and them ending their relationship. To me, it just feels like Russell Westbrook is going off of what he used to do. He's basing his ability of, I still think I'm that guy, based off of what he's done in the past. He's not that guy anymore. Russell Westbrook may need to pull a Carmelo at this point in his career, and I'm going to be real, Russell Westbrook is going to have to come off the bench. I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds nuts. 
but that's what this feels like for Russell Westbrook. He's at a crossroads in his career. The Lakers are trying to get rid of him. There's really no trade market for him. Now there are reports coming out about how Russell Westbrook was acting in the locker room and things of that nature now. Now you're getting to the point where Russell is going to have to understand and realize that I'm a liability offensively. I need to get better, but I also probably probably may need to accept the role of possibly coming off the bench. Am I saying that I'm hearing this anywhere? No, I'm not. This is just my honest opinion. That's why I say, in my opinion, I think Russell Westbrook's career is ending, is ending up like Carmelo's. And until Russell Westbrook realizes that and understands that, then things are going to continue to get worse for him. But that's where I think Russell Westbrook is at this point in his career. He needs to he needs to understand that maybe it's better for me to come off the bench for a team that I, for for any team that I play for. Maybe it's better for me that I do that. And until and until he understands that, things will not change and they will only get worse. <laughs> but coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you guys my top 10 quarterback list for the 2022 season. My top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. In honor of the NFL football season coming up, taking place in a few weeks, starting with the NFL preseason, I'm very, very excited about it. I can't wait, as I know all of you can't. And I'm just, I'm just very, very excited about it. But in honor of the NFL season starting back up again with training camps and things of that nature. I'm going to give you guys my top 10 NFL quarterbacks heading into the 2022 NFL season. Here are my top 10 NFL quarterbacks. Let's get started. Number 10, Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. In my opinion, honestly, this is just me. I know a lot of people say that Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone and I wouldn't, I wouldn't build my franchise around him. I don't trust Jimmy G because he can't stay healthy. Honestly, this is just me. I would put my faith in Jimmy Garoppolo because when you trade for a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who, when he gets there, during the latter part of his first season in San Francisco, he wins his first, his first five games with the 49ers. The, like, like, the moment he got there, okay, think about that. The moment Jimmy Garoppolo got to San Francisco, he won his first five games there. I know that's nothing major. I know that's nothing huge. But that, that set the tone for how good the 49ers really, really were going to be after that. So he wins his first five games. Yes, he's injury prone. But ever since then, He's taken the he's helped he's helped guide the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He's helped guide them to multiple conference championship games. He led Patrick Mahomes by 10 points in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And then last year, last year, these are Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers after his second, excuse me, his uh, his second conference championship game appearance. Going up against the Rams. These are Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers for the 2021 season. 68% completion percentage. 
3,810 yards, 20 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions, okay? While those numbers are not great, they're not spectacular, Jimmy Garoppolo showed in big games that he was willing to make the big plays that were capable uh, 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 that were that were that he was capable of making. Prime example, when they played the Cincinnati Bengals last year, Jimmy Garoppolo made a few big plays in that game that led them to beat the Bengals in Cincinnati in the playoffs against Green Bay. He made a few big throws in that game that led the 49ers to beat Green Bay in the NFC Divisional Round playoff game. So you take a team to multiple conference championship games. You take a team to the Super Bowl. Yes, you're injury prone. But in my opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo, the San Francisco 49ers have gotten the most out of Jimmy Garoppolo that they could possibly get out of him. And when you have gone to multiple conference championship games and you've gone to a Super Bowl and you've played in a lot of big games as Jimmy Garoppolo has, you deserve to be to be on my top 10 list of quarterbacks in the NFL. So Jimmy Garoppolo at number at number 10. Number nine, quarterback Matt Ryan of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, why do I say Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan is pretty much the model of what an Indianapolis Colts quarterback should look like alongside Peyton Manning. Yes, they brought Carson Winton for a year. Yes, he threw 27 touchdown passes and seven picks. But for Indianapolis to move on from Carson Winton, bring Matt Ryan in, the Indianapolis Colts wanted to, wanted to get some of that recklessness at the quarterback play out of the organization. They wanted to get it out. So by them getting that by them getting that out there, and then moving on from Carson Wentz, they brought in a guy, Matt Ryan, who's steady. He's been to multiple conference championship games. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. He, he's 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 won an NFL MVP. And Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, last season. Matt Ryan last season completed 67% of his passes, threw for 3,968 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 12 picks. And throughout Matt Ryan's career, he has never thrown in his career, he's never thrown more than 20 interceptions. So tw so 20 touchdowns and 12 picks, that's kind of who Matt Ryan is. He's very steady. He's disciplined. He's good on the microphone. And the Indianapolis Colts feel like they have that now with a guy in Matt Ryan who can run the Colts offense, who can run it efficiently, who can run it who can run it in a more disciplined, less reckless manner. So with me, Matt Ryan is going to make the Indianapolis Colts much, much better this season. And when you have the pedigree that Matt Ryan has by being an NFL MVP, taking a team to the Super Bowl, being disciplined as far as being able to run an offense, Matt Ryan can turn the ball over every now and then but at the end of the day when you are as steady as Matt Ryan is and you have the experience of being in big games like Matt Ryan has been in big games Matt Ryan that's why Matt Ryan is my quarterback is my number nine quarterback on my top 10 quarterback list heading into the 2022 season at number eight on my top 10 quarterback list Heading into the 2022 season, my number eight quarterback, Derek Carr. I love Derek Carr, okay? I love this guy. 
Derek Carr ever since the 2015 season. Which, by the way, in my opinion, a lot of people forget Derek Carr was in the running for MVP during that 2015 season. And people forget that when Derek Carr was in the running for his MVP, excuse me, when Derek Carr was in the running for winning MVP in 2015, the last game of the season, he broke his fibula against the Tennessee Titans in the fourth quarter of that game when Tennessee, or excuse me, when the Raiders were up by 21 points. So more than likely, if he had not broken his fibula in that game, he probably would have won MVP or he probably would have would have finished second or third in the voting of MV, of MV, of MVP in 2015. But with Derek Carr, he has carried the he's carried the Raiders on his back for years. He's made the Raiders relevant. And for me, honestly, the Raiders are lucky to have him. Very, very lucky to have him. They're very lucky to have him. So let's go back. Last year, the Raiders made the playoffs. 2021, here are Derek Carr's numbers. 68% completion percentage, 4,804 yards with 23 touchdown passes and 14 picks. In my opinion, yes, Derek Carr didn't, didn't play to the full level of his capabilities. But, in my opinion, this year I believe Derek Carr is going to be better. He has Devontae Adams. He has Darren Waller, obviously. He has Hunter Renfro. And I believe Derek Carr, like I said before, he's carried the Raiders franchise for years on his back. He's made them relevant. He's got he's gotten them he's gotten them to the playoffs. And Derek Carr is is just very, very talented. Now I think it's gonna be difficult for the Raiders to win the division this year. Uh, this year in 2022. But Derek Carr is definitely a top ten quarterback. To me, which is why I have him at number eight. At number seven, Lamar Jackson, quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. In my opinion, obviously we all know Lamar Jackson has things he needs to work on. And Lamar Jackson missed the last six games of the 2021 season. And we all know Lamar Jackson is a former NFL MVP. But there is no player in the NFL that is capable of doing what Lamar Jackson is doing. Like, literally, there's no player in the league that is capable of doing what he is doing. Now, last year, obviously, he struggled a little bit last year. 64.4% completion percentage, 2,882 yards, 16 touchdowns, 13 picks. Yes, he struggled. But Lamar Jackson also has the ability to sit to sit back and say to himself, you know what, I know what I need to improve on, I know what I need to work on, I'm going to work on those things, and when I work on work on them, I'm going to be better for it. But Lamar Jackson has a playoff victory, he has a MVP award to show for it, he threw for 36 touchdown passes and 6 picks in his rookie, in his MVP, in his MVP year. And he threw 36 touchdown passes with the 31st ranked receiving core on his roster. So, in my opinion, Lamar Jackson has nowhere to go but up from here. So, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to be better 
he's going to be much better this year. It's just a matter of can the pieces around him continue to grow and get better. But Lamar Jackson at number at number seven, my number six quarterback on my top ten quarterback list heading into the 2022 season. My number six quarterback, Joe Burrow. I said this to a friend of mine about a couple of years ago. I said this before the, before last season with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And if the person that I'm list that I'm and if the person that I said this to is listening, thank you, I appreciate it. But I said this to this person about the Bengals that the Bengals were going to just have to simply outscore their opponent in 2020 in Joe Burrow's first year because they didn't have the defense to make up for the fact that their offense was so damn good and that their offense was gonna was gonna have to outscore opponents. Fast forward to a couple of years later. Joe Burrow has one of the worst offensive lines in the league, and he leads the Bengals to the Super Bowl, despite the fact that during their playoff run, they were involved in a game where Joe Burrow was sacked nine times. Here, here are Joe Burrow's numbers from last year. 70% completion percentage, 4,611 yards passing, 34 touchdown passes, 14 picks. Joe Burrow, in my opinion, is going to go nowhere but up at this point. It would not surprise me that within the next couple of seasons, maybe even next year in 2023, Joe Burrow is fighting for a chance to be recognized as a possible NFL MVP candidate. He may even possibly get get a, get a nod or a vote this year, depending on how he plays. But Joe Burrow is just so damn good. The fact that you can overcome how bad that offensive line was in Cincinnati and Cincinnati improved it this offseason. But the fact that you can show and uh, show how good you are despite how bad that offensive line is and you can get your team to the Super Bowl and still put up over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdown passes, that shows how good you really, really are. And like I said before, that's why Joe Burrow is on my list of the top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season at number six. And he, and he has nowhere to go but up. And the weapons that he has will only continue to improve and make him better as a quarterback as he continues to get better on his own individually. Next up, my number five quarterback, my number five quarterback on my top 10 list of, of quarterbacks in the NFL heading into the 2022 NFL season, is Russell Wilson. Bottom line is this with Russell Wilson, and this is just me. Russell Wilson carried that Seattle Seahawks franchise for years, okay? After Cam Chancellor left due, due to it, after Cam Chancellor had to retire due to a neck injury, after Richard Sherman was let go, after Earl Thomas was let go, Russell Wilson had to continuously carry that Seattle Seahawks franchise on his back. And over the last four seasons, these are the numbers that Russell Wilson put up. 34 touchdown passes and 11 picks. 35 touchdown passes to 7 picks. 40 touchdown passes to 13 picks. And then last season, Russell Wilson threw 25 touchdown passes and 6 picks. Bottom line is this for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson now is in a situation in Denver where... He has the opportunity, and he's working with an offensive coach in Nathaniel Hackett, where now he's going to have a, a really, really good running game. He's going to have much better weapons around him in Denver than he did in Seattle. And 
not only that, he's going to have a much, much better defense in Denver than he has had in Seattle over the last couple of years. Russell Wilson has been to multiple Super Bowls and things of that nature. Russell Wilson has had multiple 30-plus touch, touchdown seasons. And all of that, despite the fact that the talent around Russell Wilson struck, uh, struggled, struggled to struggle to develop and enhance themselves as Russell Wilson was getting better and better and better and better as an NFL franchise quarterback. So for me, I think Russell Wilson is going to be better this season than probably than probably he's been in the last three to four years. And that's why I have Russell Wilson number five as my number five quarterback on my top ten list of quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season. At number four, of my top 10 quarterback list heading into the 2022 season. My number four quarterback, quarterback Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Bottom line is this, and I said this, and I said this before, me personally, I think Josh Allen is going to win NFL MVP this year. And, for example, let's go all the way back to 2018. 18. Josh Allen's numbers have gotten better and better and better and better. 2018, he threw he threw 10 touchdown passes, 12 picks. 2019, he threw 20 touchdown passes, 9 picks. Then two years ago, 2020, he was in the MVP conversation throwing 37 touchdown passes and 10 picks. Then last year, 36 touchdown passes, 15 picks. When you are Josh Allen and you are as big as he is but with the with the type of arm that he has, and you just have the ability to just run through or run over people, and you have the weapons that he has, right now Josh Allen is in a position in his career where he has nowhere to go but up at this point. He's going to be fighting with guys like Derek Carr and Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady for for a chance to win NFL MVP this year. That's how good he is. His numbers have improved, and his team has a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. So like I said before, Josh Allen has nowhere to go but up, and it would not surprise me if Josh Allen throws for close to 5,000 yards and maybe even 40 to, maybe even 40 to 45 touchdowns. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just throwing that number out there to you guys. But Josh Allen is just that damn talented. And he just, like I said before, he just has nowhere to go but up. When you're leaping over a middle linebacker in one of the first games that you ever play in the NFL, and then you just go from there up, when you've played in the AFC Championship, when you've played in an AFC Championship game, when you've played in multiple big-time playoff games against Patrick Mahomes, and you go toe-to-toe with him, you are in a position now where people look at you as, okay, you're one of the young elite quarterbacks in the league. Now you're in the conversation of, can he win an MVP? And Josh Allen is in that category right now. And that's why Josh Allen is my number four quarterback on my list of top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season. My number three quarterback on on my list of top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season, Aaron Rodgers. In my opinion, we all know how great Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, we all know how great Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers is. But the challenge with Aaron Rodgers this year is that he's going to have some injury-prone wide receivers with Sammy Watkins and 
and um, also Randall Cobb. But he's also going to have to trust guys like Romeo Dubs. He's going to have to trust guys like Christian Watkins. He's going to have to trust guys like Amari Rodgers. But with Aaron Rodgers, now he's going to have to, to go out and put up even better numbers with less receiving talent. Because as we all know, he won back-to-back MVPs. He won the NFL MVP again last year. And he threw for 4,115 yards, 37 touchdown passes, and four picks. Now, with Aaron Rodgers coming back again next year, like I said before, Aaron Rodgers is going to, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to prove once again, but with lesser receiving talent, that he's capable of winning the MVP. But this time, he's going to have to prove that he's capable of winning the MVP without a number one wide receiver. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, hands down. But now, Aaron Rodgers is in the position. Yes, he's won an MVP. Yes, he's yes he's yes he's won multiple MVPs. Yes, he's won a Super Bowl championship. But and yes, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. But Aaron Rodgers now is in a position where. He has to go out and he has to show to a lot of people, he has to show to everybody, maybe even including himself, that he's capable of of putting together a, a really, really good offense with less receiving talent on it than he's probably had in years past. But Aaron Rodgers, but that's why Aaron Rodgers is number three on my list of the of my top ten quarterbacks heading into the two thousand twenty two season. My number two quarterback heading into the 2022 NFL season on my list of top 10 quarterbacks is Tom Brady, quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As we all know, Tom Brady retired after last season. Tom Brady threw for 5,316 yards, 43 touchdown passes, and 12 picks. And we all kind of wondered, like, Tom, why are you retiring? What are you doing? And then we all know he unretired, and then we eventually all found out why he really retired to begin with. But that's neither here nor there. We all know Tom Brady is, Tom Brady is a seven-time world champion, um, multiple-time MVP. Now Tom Brady is at a position in his career where he really has nothing else left to prove. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And now it's just simply with Tom Brady, it's just, it, it's just this simple. How much longer does Tom Brady want to play? And it's also just come down to how many more rings can Tom Brady win at this point? Because we all know that Tom Brady, even in his mid-40s, can put up big-time numbers. We've seen it. He's proven it now. Now it's just a simple fact of how much longer does he want to play and how many more rings can he win. And that's really it with Tom Brady at this point. And that's why Tom Brady is my number two quarterback on my list of top ten quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season. And my number one quarterback on my list of top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season, number one quarterback, Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. In my opinion, Patrick Mahomes, yes, we all know Patrick Mahomes struggled somewhat last season. He got the Chiefs to their fourth straight AFC championship game. But that's where the bottom fell out with Kansas City. Now, with Tyreek Hill gone and things of that nature, excuse me, with with guys like Byron Pringle leaving, with guys like Demarcus Robinson leaving, now Patrick Mahomes is going to have to prove that that 
he doesn't really have to rely on Tyreek Hill like he used to. He has Juju Smith-Schuster. He has Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And now Patrick Mahomes is in a position where he'll probably have to take his time during games and drives, you know, driving down the field and of that nature. Whereas though in years past, the Chiefs would put up 14 to 15 points in a quarter on two to three play drives. Now that's not the case anymore because they don't have that big time explosiveness with Tyreek Hill anymore. But Patrick Mahomes right now is the gold standard in the, in the NFL as far as the quarterback positions go. And he's been the gold standard in the NFL now for the last three to four years. And unless Patrick Mahomes just has a complete fall off and he just dips off, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes is the gold standard of quarterbacks in the NFL. Last season, Patrick Mahomes had 60, Patrick Mahomes had a 66% completion percentage, 4,839 yards, 37 touchdown passes, and 13 picks. So now Patrick Mahomes, like I said before, he's going to have to go out and prove now that he is capable capable, capable, excuse me, of taking his time with these drives and not wanting to go for the big play all the time, which I'm pretty sure he's more than capable of doing that. It's just a matter of him and Andy Reid coming up with strategies and play calls and schemes and things of that nature that will put Patrick Mahomes in the more comfortable state that he's willing to go 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 plays down the field instead of relying on that three to four play drive where, okay, Three plays, okay, 70-yard bomb down the field to Tyreek Hill. But Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, like I said before, like I said before, he's the gold standard of quarterbacks in the NFL. And unless he dips off and he just has a complete just downfall after this season, Patrick Mahomes is my number one quarterback on my top 10 list of quarterbacks heading into the 2022 season. So that is my list. Number 10, Jimmy Garoppolo. Number 9, Matt Ryan. Number 8, Derek Carr. Number 7, Lamar Jackson. Number 6, Joe Burrow. Number 5, Russell Wilson. Number 4, Josh Allen. Number 3, Aaron Rodgers. Number 2, Tom Brady. And number 1, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year 2004. Why do I bring up the year 2004? I bring up the year 2004 because that is the year that the Miami Hurricanes left the Big East to join the ACC. Now, this was right around the time that the Big East was on its way to just completely just disbanding and just breaking up. So Miami had to find a conference to join, and they joined the ACC. But my question to you guys is this. What if the Miami Hurricanes had not chosen to join the ACC? What if they had chosen to join the Big 12 or the Pac-10 and not the ACC? How would the direction of the Miami Hurricanes program have gone had they chosen to not join the ACC? Something to think about. Would Miami, if they had joined the, if they had joined the Big 12 or if they had joined the Pac-10, would they have had a hell of a lot more success than they're having in the ACC right now, or would their success in the Pac-12 or the or the Big or the Pac-10 or the Big 12 be the same as it is in the ACC right now? We'll never ever know, ladies and gentlemen. We'll never ever know. That's why this is what if. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. I'm your host, Jared, da- Jared Dawkins. Thank you all for listening. I really, really do appreciate you all. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at quietsoul24, Q-U-I-E-T-S-O-U-L-24, or you can follow me on Facebook at Jared Dawkins, J-A-R-E-D, Dawkins, D-A-W-K-I-N-S. If you would like to send me any sports questions that you may have on certain sports topics, basketball, football, college football, whatever the case may be, you can send them to my email at jdawkins24 at yahoo.com, lowercase j, lowercase d-a-w-k-i-n-s, 24, the at symbol, yahoo.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all. I really appreciate you all. I'm out. Peace.